I love this time of year. Um, as I uh, said earlier and as I was praying, um, we're, we have the amazing privilege. There's um, a handful of us here from St. John's. There's a leadership team that are going to take um, some of our youth group uh, to a Christian festival called Soul Survivor, uh, which is run by um, a wonderful church over in Watford um, by an amazing team of people and a bloke called Mike Pilavachi. Um, and for me, it is um, particularly special because uh, in four days' time, I will celebrate my, um, I guess, kind of like birthday of becoming a Christian, uh, which happened at Soul Survivor uh, when I was 19, four days to go, August the 16th, 2009. Um, and it's an amazing time to remember what God did in that season of my life the transition from death to life, that transition from emptiness and brokenness to fulfillment and to belonging. And I'm not sure um, whether uh, some of us here this evening might have that same experience where you've transitioned from death to life, from not knowing Jesus to knowing Jesus. Uh, and this is just a real encouragement. If you're um, here this evening and you're exploring what would that potentially look like, from going from not knowing Jesus to knowing Jesus. I'm really excited that this evening will be a message for you where we transition. Because we're all going through seasons of transition all the time. Uh, for some of us, it might be a transition of jobs. Uh, I know for some of us, it might be a transition of houses. We're all going through transition. Um, and what's crazy is that it's in our transition that we experience our most transformation. That when we go through that transition, when we go through that change, it's when we can deepen our faith in Jesus. We can deepen our knowledge and our understanding of how good he is in those seasons where it's not always easy, that sometimes it's difficult. Uh, I've been chatting to a few guys earlier on that have just moved houses and you've got boxes everywhere and you've got stuff trying to find its home and you're trying to place things. And the reality in, in our lives, we're constantly going through that, those seasons where you're having to work out what bits of our lives are in certain areas and what things do I maybe need to let go of and what things do I need to cling hold of. And so this evening, um, we're going to look at uh, two kings in the Old Testament. Um, if you have a Bible or most likely a smartphone, uh, if you want to turn to uh, two kings, we're going to work our way through chapter two as we look at Elijah and Elisha. Hopefully that won't be too confusing. Great. So two kings, two. I'm going to delve straight in and we're going to see what God wants to say. Um, let me just quickly pray. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for the opportunity this evening to hear from your word. Lord, we thank you for the amazing lives and stories of Elijah and Elijah. And I pray now, Jesus, that you give us hearts and ears that are open to hear a word from you this evening, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Great. So 2 Kings chapter 2, we're going to start at verse 1 and work our way through. So verse 1, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to the heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elijah were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elijah, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elijah said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel together. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you not know that the Lord is going to take your master Elijah from you today? 
Yes, I know, Elijah replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elijah, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elijah and asked him, Elijah, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him for the third time, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. I know, Elijah says, shut up. I know Elijah is going. I know that he's going to be taken. I know that he is my master and my friend. Because earlier on in 1 Kings, Elijah gets a message from God and he says, I have chosen Elijah to be my prophet, to be one of my people that speaks my truth and my word to the people of Israel. And so Elijah in 1 Kings, he takes his cloak off his shoulders and he finds Elisha farming. And he places the cloak on Elisha's shoulders and says, God has called you. And Elisha gives everything and follows his master, Elijah. And so here in 2 Kings, we find Elijah and Elisha in the situation where the transition is about to happen in dramatic fashion. I don't know if any of you guys have had friends or family that have been whisked away on horses and in chariots through a whirlwind and heavenly fire up to the heavens. No. But in this Old Testament passage, we're about to see this amazing transition as Elisha's master, Elijah, is taken up to heaven. And my first encouragement this evening is that we need to stay Because Elijah is given the opportunity three times. Elijah says to him, stay here, I'm off on a mission. Stay here, don't come with me, Elijah. Stay here. And Elijah is, as long as the Lord lives, I will stay close to you, Elijah. I will follow what you are doing and what God is doing in you. I will stay close. Although he knows his master is about to be taken, I will stay for some of us this evening, we need to know, we need to be encouraged, we need to be informed, we need to be empowered that you need to stay close. Stay close to God, stay close to the church and stay close to those that are good influences around you. In those seasons of struggle, in those seasons of doubt, in those seasons where you know something is going to have to be let go of, something is going to disappear, we need to stay close. I will not leave you. Elijah says. Because in reality, we all know, or we should all know, that the Christian walk is definitely not easy. So when I think back in 2009, when I became a Christian, a sole survivor, I had this sudden thought going from this scared, lonely, empty, broken teenager to knowing and meeting with this amazing Lord Jesus in this amazing and beautiful encounter where all of this emptiness and brokenness and loneliness came flowing out in 45 minutes of ugly, sweaty, dribbly tears. But instead, what filled me was this understanding and this knowing that I am loved and cherished by a God that made me and 
before and it's changed my life. And there goes the cutting. He knows me, he made me, he chose me. But the reality is, is that I then have to come home in this Christmas lesson, back to the emptiness and the brokenness and the loneliness because this time I had someone to stay close to. I had something to hold on to, a hope and a joy and a peace and a love that I wasn't going to let go of. Because we all should know as Christians, it gets really hard, that there are storms and there are battles and there are difficulties. But God says, stay close to me. Don't let go, don't give up. And I was thinking about um, a season of my life that, that I really wanted to give up. Um, so after um, becoming a Christian, um, a couple of years later, I um, started working for my home church all the way back in High Wycombe and uh, became the, the full-time youth worker there and did it for um, six years before moving here to start Vicar Training, Vicar Factory uh, here at St. John's, which has been absolutely amazing and challenging and a transition and not always easy, so I'm staying close to God. Um, but I remember we, we, um, we, had this, we had this really small youth group. There was probably about six or seven of them in this room. Uh, none of them spoke to each other ever. And, and I just remember, we need to start building some relationships. Otherwise, this is going to be the longest career ever if the youth don't talk to one another. So we started um, a, a youth club on a Friday night. It was this kind of one of like drop-in community clubs. Um, and we invited this, you know, these six youth to come. And one would sit over here by the table tennis table with a table tennis but no one to play with and far too shy to ask the other people to come and play. And one person would be over here by the pool table with the pool cue but absolutely way too shy to go and ask that person to play. And I just remember the first month thinking, this is shambolic. I want to give up. But we persevered. And over the space of six months, this youth group on a Friday night of six nearly grew to 100 teenagers in our community all. Sounds amazing, but throughout those six months, the amount of seasons that I went through where I wanted to give up, we had this amazing moment where we got so big and there were so many horrible, ugly teenage boys that basically just wanted to play PlayStation and play on, <laughs> play on FIFA, which is the amazing football game, that we were like, yes, it's September, we're going to buy the brand new FIFA and hundreds and thousands of young boys will come and play. We got to the first night, we were halfway through the club and I was like, why is no one playing our brand new FIFA? It's because one of the boys had spotted the brand new FIFA, taken it out of the PlayStation, put it back in the box and gone home with it. He nicked it, unbelievable. I was like, how dare they? We've set up this community club for them. This is gonna be exciting, it's gonna be amazing. They've nicked our new FIFA. I remember going home in such a mood that I, <laughs> I don't like putting this in public by the way. I, I wrote my resignation letter. It got that bad. I was like, how could they? Unfortunately, before handing in the resignation letter, I prayed and I stayed close to Jesus. I said, what are you doing? What are you doing? And Jesus said, stay close to me and pull it out. And pull it out. So the following Friday, I sat at the front of our church and I invited these group of young lads in front of me. And I said, boys, just to let you know that stealing is a, 
an actual offense and that we could easily ring the police, but we're not going to do that because here at church we're full of love and grace and forgiveness. I said, we're going to give you one opportunity to bring the game back. And we're not going to name you out. We're not going to call you out. We just would love for you to give it back. And bless him, this little lad, I think his name was Jordan, stood up and said, I've felt so bad all week. I've already brought it back and put it back in. Stay close to Jesus. He is already moving and working in those seasons of struggle and those seasons of doubt. And as we think about Elijah and Elijah, Elijah has been called by God to do these amazing things. And his master, all that he's been learning is about to leave. There is so much confusion and uncertainty. But he says, I will stay with you to find my calling. In the seasons of struggles, we can find our calling through all the confusion and the uncertainty. If you're in that season of uncertainty, God is speaking to you and he wants to call you out. So let's keep going. I think we're at verse 7. So we need to stay close to God. So verse 7, 50 men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elijah had stopped at the Jordan River. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elijah, tell me what I can do for you before I am taken. And Elijah said, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. A double portion of your spirit. All that you've done, all the miracles, I want double of what you've done. A big ask from Elijah. Confidence, boldness. And Elijah responds, you have asked a difficult thing. Yet you see me when I am taken from you. It will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. What I love in the Bible is um, the Jordan River is a symbol of transition. So um, if, uh, if we can think of some characters in the Old Testament, uh, we have, um, let's think of Moses and Joshua. They cross the Jordan, it splits and it parts, and they cross from the desert land to the promised land. We can also think of this story where Elijah and Elijah transition from the uncertainty to the calling. But then we also think in the New Testament of Jesus. Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River. A sinless, spotless lamb with no fault is baptized. So baptism is this, this symbol where you go under the water and everything you've done wrong or your sin or your bad decisions or your mess is left under the water and the symbolism of coming up to new life. And Jesus nothing wrong enters into the water he enters it in the Jordan River what I love is this sinless spotless lamb Jesus becomes the Jordan Jesus becomes the Jordan and what it means is that now for us as we go through transition we don't need to fly all the way over to Jordan and to the Middle East we don't need to stand in front of the Jordan River with our cloak or our staff and whack it and it splits to the left and right and we just storm on through. I'm transitioning from my new house 
I'm transitioning to my new job. I'm transitioning with all the situations in my family life. Our transition comes through Jesus. Jesus is the new Jordan River. We approach Jesus because he is the one that was struck. As Elijah strikes the river and it splits and we can pass through, Jesus is struck. He is beaten. He is nailed to a cross and he dies so that we can transition from death to life distress to hope, from uncertainty to calling. It's through Jesus that we transition. And what I love is Elijah in this transition, he asked for a double portion. I want double of what you've got, Elijah. And Elijah responds, it's a difficult thing that you ask. It's not that it's a difficult thing to ask for it. It's actually a difficult thing to hold on to double portion because the reality is the dream comes is free but the journey is going to cost you some of us we have big exciting dreams for Jesus but the reality is the journey is going to cost you it's not an easy thing that you ask for we can step into our calling so we stay close we step into our calling and finally we need to strike the water. As we finish our reading, I think we're at verse uh, verse 11. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot, here we go, this is where it gets dramatic, uh, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah saw this and cried out, my father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elijah saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and he tore it in two. And then Elijah picks up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and he strikes the water. As he strikes it, he shouts, where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he strikes the water, it divides to the right and to the left, and he crosses back over. Elijah is taken to heaven in dramatic style. And this cloak that is used to call out Elijah, that Elijah had placed on him and said, God has an amazing journey for you, is left on the ground. The calling is there to be grabbed hold of. This evening, this is my encouragement for every single one of us. God has laid out before us amazing plans of an amazing future, a light of calling. But the reality is, are we going to grab hold of it? What have we already got in our hands, as we said, that we need to let go of in order that we can pick up our calling, that we can enter into the amazing plans that God has for us? And so Elijah picks up his calling, he picks up his destiny, he picks up this cloak, he walks back to the Jordan River, and in the Lewis Dean translation, he says, I hope this works. God, if you really are who you say you are, you better make this happen. And he strikes the water. 
God, if you are real, show me, was my prayer in 2009 on August 16th in a wet, horrible tent with 10,000 teenagers. God, if you are real, show me. God, if you are who you say you are, show me. I'm going through some rubbish in my life. I need you with me. Show me. I'm going through a terrible season. I need you to show me who you are. Because the reality is faith is spelt R-I-S-K. We see it throughout the Bible that God moves when we step towards him. We read in, in, uh, in Jeremiah from the message translation, if you seek me, God says, if you seek me with all that you have, if you step towards me, you will not be disappointed. If you pick up your cloak and you strike the waters, you will not be disappointed. You will pass through. God is calling us tonight into action. He's calling us to strike the water. And I think the reality is in our church, in the Western church today, is that we we sit. We sit. Well, apart from the worship team, we definitely don't sit on the front row. But we sit as church and we look at the front and we say, feed me, show me, teach me. But are we going to be a church that goes back out there with our cloaks, our calling, our gifts, our destiny, our amazing plans that God has for us? Are we going to use it? Are we going to sit or are we going to strike? God is calling us out from the church. He's calling us into our communities, into our homes, into our workplaces. He's calling us to strike the water, to see him move, to see people pass from death to life, to experience healing, to experience breakthrough, to see addictions broken. We need to take the risk. To step out in the prophetic. We need to step out and take risk so that we can pass through. So tonight you need to stay close. You can step into our calling. And my encouragement and challenge is it's time to strike the water.